Hello and welcome to this week's City on Air News. I'm Alex. And I'm Callum. As always, we have a great show lined up for you this week with all the latest news and sports results from your university. A Sunday Times article this week revealed an overall 13% drop in university applications. Christian Jensen digs in. Thanks, Alex. It's true. This is the biggest fall in applications for 30 years. Our very own City University experienced a 41.4% drop after the fees were tripled, according to the Sunday Times report. The last time applications fell was before the rise in tuition fees in 2006. However, all in all, those attending university rose significantly under the last Labour government. So what did City have to say about this? Well, City claimed the drop in applications was largely due to their tougher entry requirements. We're going to test this answer and dig a little deeper to see what effects this drop may have on the university. We'll chase down the answers and bring you more information in our next podcast. Now to a news story that has dominated the national headlines ever since the Occupy London protesters took up camp outside St Paul's Cathedral. As the protest spread to nearby Finsbury Square, our very own Joseph Holding questioned the protesters about their intentions and how any interested students can get involved. Sparked by the occupation of Wall Street in the United States of America last month, the Occupy movement has spread across the globe to cities such as Barcelona, Frankfurt and now London. Whilst investigating why the campaigners were out in such force, I spoke to protester James Hudson, who gave me this brief overview. I'm here because our political system is totally corrupt, so it's really a democratic issue, I call it. Now, there's nothing wrong with campaigning against government and corporate corruption. However, what many people don't understand is why the protests are based around St. Paul's, which closed for the first time since the Blitz amidst health and safety concerns this week. I asked Mr. Hudson how he'd ended up outside the famous cathedral. Ah, uh, well, really by coincidence, I would imagine, because we were trying to get into Paternoster Square, and that was to get in front of the Stock Exchange, but they buried that all off and didn't let us in, so we're now here. Given the worldwide scale of the Occupy London movement and the strong views of students here at City University, Mr Hudson was keen to point out why you should get involved. Well, I would say if they care about the future of the country they're going to grow up in and one day be in charge of, perhaps, then they should come down. If not, if they're happy to essentially be slaves in a corporate-oriented system, then that's their choice as well. However, in a controversial move on Thursday, the Canon Chancellor of St Paul's Cathedral resigned from his post in protest against plans to use force to remove campaigners from the site. On Tuesday, students were painting and planting in the city garden behind the Middleton building. The event was created to try and get students involved with the environmental projects at City as part of Green City Week. Freya Hudson went down there to see how it's all been going on. The city garden may look a little bare now, but come summertime it will be heaving with plants and vegetables. Student volunteers spent much of Tuesday afternoon painting the garden walls with murals and small pictures and planting lots of bee-friendly seeds. I talked to student advisor Gemma Dickinson, who helped organise the event. There were some staff members back in 2009 that wanted to set up a space where we could grow vegetables in the university. Originally they were thinking on the roof of Drysdale and Tate Building when they were refurbishing it, um, but that, that wasn't an option. So the university said that we could use this space um, and we got funding from the food policy department in City and Edible Islington from Islington Council to set up a food growing space um, so that staff and students had the chance to grow their own vegetables and fruit on site and and take it home and use it as they see fit. The space was also created as a nice quiet place where students could go and relax away from the noisy main building. 
The garden grows strawberries, potatoes, carrots and tomatoes, all types of lettuces, cabbages, broccoli, spinach, beetroot, runner beans, French beans, blackberries, blueberries, apples and pears. So there's a great range of stuff and it all gets given free to students and staff. Last year we didn't have a lot of student participation. We wanted to get the students much more involved. Um, especially my role at the university, we see students who are in financial difficulty um, and sometimes severe financial difficulty where they can't feed themselves. We want to get this going on a bigger scale so that people have the opportunity if they are facing things like that, that we can give them food packages or we can give them stuff that we've grown. There have been a lot more students and staff getting involved with the garden this year, so it's off to a great start. For anyone interested in helping out with the garden, either with its general maintenance or plants for the future, more volunteers are welcome to contact Gemma at gemma.dickinson.1 at city.ac.uk. It isn't just the vegetable garden that is receiving a bit of extra attention, but also the way we get to university. Students set up an innovative way of making their mark on the environment by hosting a used bicycle sale at Northampton Square. Petter settled up and talked to the students behind the scheme. Yeah, it was literally a matter of recycling at Northampton Square on Tuesday when an organisation called Starbikes came to sell off some old rice to a cheap price. We spoke to Andy Doyle, who is the director of Starbikes, that sells bikes that they've got from the Stoke Newington Police to finance teaching young people in Hackney traffic skills and bicycle care. We literally came with four bikes here. I imagined I would spend an hour or two fiddling on these bikes while I watched people wander by. And actually, since we've hit the ground, we've been incredibly busy. And there's been a lot of enthusiasm, and the stock is flying away. So, <laughs> so perhaps City University students will get a legal way of getting cheap bikes in the future as well. We can see a direct link for the young people we work with in Hackney and City University in this way. This is a new venture, we've not tried it before. We've took the idea from a project we visited in Sheffield where the local community provision for cycle training, the organisation that does that actually has a contract with the university to provide 50 bikes at the beginning of each year. And an excited and enthusiastic Mr Doyle even talked about challenging God. We're working on estates where the car is God. And if we can make bikes available to young people, then hopefully we can convince them to become cyclists rather than motorists. And that has a big effect upon both their environment and, and their health. While we celebrate Green Week at City, students at East Central House Halls of Residence have not been given the opportunity to be so eco-friendly. When Jack Watts moved in in September, he was surprised to discover that there were no recycling facilities. He's investigated further. It seems senseless to me that student accommodation that houses around 250 students can't provide these facilities, while people all around the country are making the effort to recycle their waste. I've spoken to friends at the various Liberty Halls of Residences, who've informed me that their accommodation did provide recycling facilities. As it's Green City Week, I thought this would be the ideal time to raise my concerns with the management. I spoke to Marta Palenciano Romero about the issue. I started to work here like two months ago only, and that was for the first thing that was my shock too. I know the company has improved in some ways. For example, now when the students leave uh, at the beginning of the summer, uh, we have a charity company who take everything the students they don't need before they used to go to the rallies. So now any things that students leave behind are given to charity, there is no recycling on a daily basis. But Marta says she is passionate about ensuring the students have these facilities. I'm going to ask again, and I'm going to try to find myself a 
what the procedure to talk to the council about rubbish collection or I don't know how it is, but I'm going to try to do that and try to install some containers here. So residents at East Central House can expect to have recycling facilities in the near future. The question remains though, why it has taken so long for such a big accommodation organiser like Unite to focus on environmental issues when the rest of the world began a good few years ago? In other news, a big welcome to our newest addition to our student media team. City on Screen will be a student TV station run by students for students. So if you're interested in any part of television, be it presentation, editing, camera direction or script writing, get involved, make TV. Sadler's Bar will be hosting its first open mic night on Monday 7th of November. Doors open at 7.30 and as it's an open mic night, all performers as well as the audience are welcome to join the music fiesta. This week, Sophie Harder drew swords with the fencing team to find out more about this year's goals. On air, caught up with the captain of the women's fencing team, Emma Barnes, who told us what fencing is all about. The aim of the game is to basically hit the other player before they hit you. There's three weapons, foil, sabre and epée. The difference is in the size and the shape of the weapon, but also the target area. So in foil, you can only hit the torso. In epée, you can hit anywhere on the entire body. And in sabre, it's just from the waist up. The difference in the weapons is that foil is lighter and bendier. Epée is stiffer and longer. And sabre, you can hit with the side of the blade. So it's more like a sort of classic film sword slashy thing. In total, there are about 50 people doing fencing this year, including both beginners and more experienced fencers. The team trains on Tuesdays in the martial arts room in the basement of the university building and has fixtures on Wednesday afternoons against other clubs in the southeast. So far, the fixtures haven't been going great, but Fema resources are not everything. The fixtures have been not brilliant, but that's probably due to the fact that we have a lot of beginners on our team because we try and get everyone involved in the team rather than people who've been fencing a long time. That's partly because we don't have very many experienced fencers, but also we like to give everyone an opportunity to fence. We'd like to attend all of our matches, because that's been a problem in the past, due to like clashes with lectures or people being sick. We'd also like to win two games this year, because we've got two experienced fencers on the team and the rest of them are beginners. So it would be really good for the beginners to experience winning. Emma says the team always wins Epe, but that they're not doing well in the other two weapons. So if you want to help the fencing team win all of their matches, come down to the martial arts room on Tuesday afternoon. Sadler's Sports Centre closed down before the summer and will remain closed for at least two years. Camilla Nygaard Larson has been looking into what the Sport and Leisure Department are offering city students. This week, the Sport and Leisure Department have started a campus physical activity programme for Fit City students. The physical activity programme is an alternative for students who want to exercise and have a stress-free time off university. The campus activity programme is a programme from Monday through to Saturday where we're offering fitness classes for students and for staff at City University uh, because at the moment uh, we have no sports centre. Uh, the sports centre closed on the 30th of June of this year and is due to reopen in a couple of years. With more than 25 classes to choose from, including box fits, pilates and yoga, CAP provides an opportunity to exercise and socialise at the same time. We also have a series of other aerobic types. So we're running spin classes, we are running uh, legs, bums and tums, a zumba, we have box fit. The classes will be held in the basement of the dry cell building. Now to the university sports results and we start with the football. The men's first team lost 1-0 away to Middlesex University thirds, although the university's second team fared better with a 2-1 win over Medway University third team. The women football team beat Goldsmith 3-0 on Sunday this week. 
The men's badminton team managed a comprehensive 7-1 victory against Canterbury Christchurch University, while the men's basketball team won 69-56 against London South Bank. The women's basketball team fared just as well, managing a 48-42 victory against the University of Surrey. And finally, the women's netball team powered to a 22-10 victory against King's College London Thirds, while the men's rugby team beat Queensmary University 12-5 in a good week for all the university's sport. Earlier this week, the music department celebrated 20 years of gamelan at City. This increasingly popular Indonesian ensemble has been taught at City since 1991. I spoke to Andy Channing, who teaches gamelan at City, to find out more. In general, a set of gamelan instruments from Indonesia, whether it's Javanese or Balinese, it's essentially a percussion ensemble, a percussion orchestra. So you've got instruments, uh, you've got large gongs, different, different types of gongs. You've got large gongs that provide the structure or the framework for the music. You've got uh, keyed instruments, metallophones of different sizes, which generally play the, the core melody. Then you've got other instruments that elaborate on that, so often kind of gong chime type instruments, sets of gong chimes, which elaborate on that core melody. And depending, in Balinese gamelan, you also get some of the metallophones that elaborate. And then you've got drums that give the leadership. Andy also said that gamelan is good for teaching students ensemble work and is great for developing listening skills. I think it, that they use it in um, universities is that it is absolutely perfect teaching tool because in any university you've got people that have come from different musical backgrounds and they are playing something which is kind of new to most of them. So they don't have all that kind of baggage that they've brought from other, other musical disciplines. So they're learning something fresh, a musical language which is, is very accessible, I believe. Also, it's very much a social music. So they are working with other students and um, developing it as an ensemble. The music department will be hosting several events throughout the rest of the year. For those of you around during reading week, Claire Hammond will perform next Friday in the performance space as part of the Lunchtime Concert Series. Yasmin Pamor has been finding out what is going on in Islington this week, including a fashion fair in Clerkenwell and a zombie walk through London. Steven Spielberg's newly released film The Adventures of Tintin 3D is showing at the View Cinema this week. Spielberg said he's been working on this project for nearly three decades. If cartoons aren't your thing, then brand new thriller Contagion with all-star cast Matt Damon, Kate Winsler and Jude Law might just tickle your fancy. The last new release this week is the adaptation of 2009's bestseller The Help. The Carkenwell Vintage Fashion Fair, one of London's leading vintage fairs, is happening over the next couple of weeks at the Erdang, or what used to be called the Old Frinsbury Town Hall. It's £4 to enter, but seems worth it for 50 traders of clothes, food, tea, and with makeovers and special guests. If you fancy dressing up like a zombie and parading around London with lots of other zombies, then on the 29th, head over to Rupert Street at 2pm. Or, if you want to celebrate Halloween by dressing up and hitting the clubs, then Egg and Cable are putting on Halloween-themed events on the 29th. Finally, if you don't fancy travelling that far, on the 29th, the O2 Academy in Islington are putting on a whole host of events over the Halloween weekend. On Friday, there's the usual propaganda, but on Saturday, be ready for Club de Fromage Night of a Thousand Zombies, a Halloween special. Now for a bit of celebrity spotting just around the corner. In the Bodica, a group of City University students were surprised to find the WikiLeaks icon Julian Assange on the opposite side of the road as they were having their Friday afternoon beers. An eyewitness, Rebecca Sooner, leaked to City on air. 
I was meeting friends in the Queen Bodicea, and he was there having a drink. Julian wasn't too impressing, actually. He's not dyeing his hair anymore, so his hair is very white. He looks a bit like Dracula or something. He's a bit freaky, uh, and he was wearing terribly ugly trainers as well. But he looks like what he looks like in pictures. That's all the juicy bits from today. But join us again in two weeks for more news from on and around your city campus. This programme was aired and produced by Camilla Nygaard-Larsen. Assistant editor was Freya Hudson. (laughs) 